I'm an awkward human being. I just am. And it's, it took me a long time to really appreciate that about myself. But once I did, it's actually one of my favorite parts about me. And that helps me be more brave in some of these situations. I think when we embrace the awkward, when we we're not constantly trying to run from it or push it away, when we're saying things like, right, this is going to be awkward. Let's go do it. I think that does start to shift that mindset. My company has a core value. Awkward is okay. It's what we do. Awkward really is okay. Good morning, HR. I'm Mike Coffey, and this is the podcast where I talk to business leaders about bringing people together to create value for shareholders, customers, and the community. Please follow, rate, and review Good Morning HR on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or at goodmorninghr.com. It'll come no to no surprise to anyone who's ever tried to lead people that we're all kind of a hot mess. What seems normal and appropriate to one person causes anxiety or revulsion in another. Sometimes bad behavior is just a trespass on unwritten company rules or, or norms. And other times it's the result of somebody intentionally breaking the rules. Uh, or maybe somebody's performance is up to snuff, but we don't want to address it because we know they're going to take it personally or resentfully, and it's just going to be icky. So these and a thousand other scenarios often result in awkward conversations that many leaders dread. Why won't people just be normal and sane for just a couple hours a day, and our lives would be so much easier? But my guest today says that we can master the awkward conversations in our business and daily lives by changing our mindset and by practicing. Christy Spathy is president and principal consultant of The People Perspective, an HR consulting firm based in Tulsa, Oklahoma. She's helped companies of all sizes overcome their people problems and is joining us today to help us master the art of awkward. Welcome to Good Morning HR, Christy. I'm so excited to be here. So let's just start. I threw a few out there, but give me a good example of an awkward conversation that you, you know, in the real world that you deal with and helping clients uh, master. I think the most common awkward situation and or conversation is that feedback conversation. So saying the hard thing that no one wants to say, uh, telling people that they're not meeting your expectations uh, or their behavior isn't in line with what you what you want it to be or need it to be. That is the classic awkward situation or conversation and the one that most people run away from because I'm going to use your word that I use a lot. It's It feels icky. Yeah, it just gives us liver quiver. We don't want to have that, that conversation. Why is that? What do you think it is about those conversations that makes us, makes otherwise pretty straightforward, good business leaders just you know, nervous. I think it's, I think it boils down to fear. So several different fear-based reasons why we might shy away from those conversations. One, I think we're afraid of the attack. So we're afraid that they might come back at us with something that we don't know how to respond to, that it might get emotional. Uh, That is one pretty prominent reason, I would say. And I always 
remind leaders that when someone comes back at you with something that you don't know how to respond to, it's okay to say, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. That's a great point. Let me get back to you. <laughs> so we we don't have to have all of the answers all of the time in the moment. Uh, and then another reminder is when things get emotional, that's not usually when we do our, our best um, conversation, have our best conversations, provide the best feedback. So we can always shut those down when, when the emotions get involved and come back to them later when the emotions have had a chance to kind of work their way out of some of those situations. Another fear-based reason uh, that might stop us from saying the hard thing, giving the hard feedback, is that they might not like us anymore. They might not want to be our friend, or they might not want to talk to us at work. And uh, I'll say the unpopular thing, um, we're not leaders to make friends. Mm -hmm. I'm not usually a very popular person <laughs> where, I, where I work. Uh, but I think um, I have a good friend, Greg Hawks, that talks about oh, this. He talks about the fact that not giving that feedback, not saying the hard thing is actually really selfish. It's about protecting us, not about protecting that individual. Um, and then the last re fear-based reason why I think people don't wade into these conversations is exactly what we're talking about today. It is the fear that it will be awkward. And this might be a segue for us. Uh, it probably will. And awkward is okay. So I think the, the sooner that we embrace that and acknowledge it, the sooner we can just move past that as an excuse and go do the thing that we're supposed to do as leaders. So let's say we've stepped into the awkward conversation and we've decided we're going to have it. What are the, you know, other than not having it, what are the mistakes that leaders make uh, along the way of, of actually, you know, getting painting themselves in a the corner or whatever happens? I think there are several common um, mistakes. First, uh, we are, I, I live in the South uh, and I talk about, particularly in Oklahoma, I talk about that we are Oklahoma nice. So there are a couple of ways that we use Oklahoma nice um, that is not, d does not usually go well in these conversations. The first one is that when we need to say the hard thing, we tend to preface for five minutes before we actually get to the meat of the conversation. And I'm here to tell you that if you preface for five minutes with me, I'm not listening to you. I'm thinking I'm fired. What did I do? And I'm not listening to you anymore. I think the other thing that I uh, talk about quite a bit is the feedback sandwich. So when we are, uh, when we need to give some constructive feedback, it makes it feel a little bit nicer if we sandwich that feedback in between two pieces of positive feedback. And that feels better. To, that makes us feel better as leaders. But here's what it does to the person that you're giving the feedback to. It's confusing. It's inauthentic. And we all have the people in our lives that uh, aren't going to hear 
the real reason for the conversation. They're just going to hear those two positive things. So I think that, I, I hope that answered your question. I yeah, think yeah, no, that's good. Tend to muddy it down to make ourselves yeah. better. Yeah. And, and then I think the other thing we do, certainly I, I've done in the past, um, is push off the awkward conversation until I'm at the point where I'm angry. And so now uh, any chance of, of it really being a constructive conversation is kind of blown if I don't get my head straight first. Uh, and I've seen that certainly in managers, um, you know, it's kind of like performance reviews, right? We, we don't give feedback until we were forced to at the end, you know, performance review time. And then suddenly the employee is blindsided because they, they've had so much dumped on. We talk about when's the right time to have that awkward conversation. Yeah. I, uh, I think the sooner, the better. I think that awkward conversations should be private. So if you can have the conversation now, then do, but it needs to be private. And we're talking about how this can go wrong. It can go wrong for me if I don't feel prepared. So I need to have put some thought into what my key talking points are, what I I need to make sure I cover and how I'm going to do that. Otherwise my nerves uh, come into play. My emotions might come into play. So I think the timing is critical. The sooner, the better. If you have regularly scheduled one-on-ones with your people and you've got one coming up, it can definitely wait until then. Uh, But it is not, to your point, something that we keep in a journal that we're going to address in nine months during their annual performance review. That doesn't go well for anyone. And so that preparation, you make make some notes and, and kind of outline the conversation. What does that look like beyond that? Yeah, so I, I actually have a feedback loop that I that I teach uh, and I coach with my clients. And the feedback loop, the first step in the feedback loop is say what you saw. And that, keep in mind, there's no preface there. There's not a step around prefacing. Uh, you say what you saw, you rip that Band-Aid off, and you say what the concern is. The next step is to state the impact. So when you do this, it impacts the team the department, the organization in this way. The third step is their opportunity to speak. So what's going on? What do you think about that? How can we address that? And then you close it by painting good, as Brene Brown would say, by resetting those expectations. And I prepare by walking through all of those steps and taking notes accordingly. So what am I going to say um, around, you know, what what the problem is and what is the impact? And then if if you have, we've all known the rabbit trailer, I call them, uh, the deflector. It, when I have those notes in front of me, I know what I need to, to get back to. I know what I've covered and what I haven't. So if you, let's, yeah, if you get to that point where you're getting the feedback from the employee and they they throw up a rebuttal of sorts or, well, you never said, or, well, so-and-so did this or whatever. How do you redirect that conversation back to what you're sitting there to talk about? I, I think it depends uh, on what that rebuttal is. The, the very popular rebuttal of, well, so-and-so does this, or why aren't we talking about this? That always comes back to, we're here to talk about you. 
this meeting is about you. Thank you for making me aware of that, but we're here to talk about you. Um, I have had, I have a, a, an example from early in my career that I talk about quite a bit where I brought something to the attention of one of my employees, a, a behavior trait that he did. And he said, I, you know, I, I said, are you aware that you do that? And he said, no. And I had a moment of, oh, oh, oh no. <laughs> oh no, I don't know what to do with this. And all I said was, could you just take the night uh, so sleep on it, pay, start paying attention to your body and, you know, some of the things that I'm telling you that you do and come back to me and let's revisit it. And he was in my office the next morning and he said, you're right. I so do that. Help me, help me fix it. So sometimes it doesn't have to be neat and tidy at the end. It's okay to send people off with the action to just think about it and process through it and then regrouping, making sure that you regroup uh, at the appropriate time after that. So in the case where it's a behavioral issue, uh, where, you know, the employee is you know, often just making a decision, this is how I'm going to do something or this is how I'm going to treat people or whatever. Uh, that's one way to, to well, it's one circumstance, but then you've got the other circumstance where it's just a matter of competence or skill that they haven't developed. Are those conversations different as far as how you prepare or, or is it pretty much the same kind of uh, steps that you had in that feedback loop? I would use the exact same steps. Obviously, the words and the talking points are going to be differently, but you're still telling them what the problem is, what the impact is, and then what your expectations are, what you ex expect from them. And either way, whether it's performance or behavior, when, we, when you finish the conversation, you have to go hold them accountable. And let's take a quick break. Good Morning HR is brought to you by Imperative, premium background checks with fast and friendly service. If you're an HRCI or SHARM certified professional, this episode of Good Morning HR has been pre-approved for one half hour of recertification credit. To obtain the recertification information, visit goodmorninghr.com and click on Recert Credits. Then select episode 23 and enter the keyword awkward. That's A-W-K-W-A-R-D. Just a reminder that we have a library of previously recorded webinars on our website at imperativeinfo.com. Each recorded webinar is approved for one professional development credit for SHRM certified professionals and one hour of recertification credit for HRCI certified professionals. Some are even approved for business or ethics credit and they're free. And now back to my conversation with Christy Spathy. And so what does that look like? How do you set those expectations? I mean, is this, you know, I hate 90 day probation periods and stuff like that. I've tried to talk clients out of them for years. So what does that look like though? We're gonna revisit and what? Or is it a revisit issue or is it a contact me? Let me know if you need help making this change or how do you how do you set those expectations, that follow up or whatever? Yeah. I, let me just say really quickly, I also do not like 90 day probationary periods. I too try to talk, talk clients out of those, but uh, I, I'll give you the lawyer answer. I think it depends on how you hold them accountable. Um, you know, if it's something as simple and straightforward as attendance, then the expectation is you're at work on time and you're following our call-in procedures period. And the next time you violate the policy, 
we're going to move down this path, whether it's progressive discipline or performance improvement plan. If it's the behavior issue is usually the, the trickier one. Uh, but it's, you know, I've had it where when it's a, Ooh, let's talk about the hygiene issue. That's always, that's always the doozy. Um, you, there's a gentler approach and, I think that's taken me a long time throughout my career to realize that we don't have to come in as the strong arm every time. Um, sometimes a gentler approach uh, is appropriate, but I still think that accountability is key. I had I was coaching a leader that uh, was telling me about a hygiene issue he was working on, and I followed up with him in our next session, and he kind of fluffed through it, and I said, "Does he still smell?" And he said, yes. And I said, you're going to have to have the conversation again. Yeah. And we've, I think we've all, if we've been in HR very long, we've, we've had that conversation and, and, Hard. and often it really is a surprise to that person. I mean, if you, I, mean, I think they're used to, you know, they're used to whatever it is and, uh, and to start, you know, that's, and, and everybody dreads that conversation. Yes. Uh, and what, are there any, what are, you know, on the legal side, are there any specific concerns you would say that an employer or a leader should think through uh, before they address uh, an issue? I think so. I mean, I think there are so many, so many things that come into play in these conversations, um, particularly around protected classes. We want to make sure that we don't end up in an adverse impact situation where we didn't mean to discriminate, uh, but we did. Um, so we always want to think through that and make sure we're talking to legal counsel or and or HR uh, before we have those conversations. Um, I, I think I'll also go back to the emotion part. I think just m- making sure that we're practicing a lot of self-awareness in the fact of how prepared we are to have the conversation, like you mentioned earlier, making sure we're not angry as we're walking into that conversation because things can escalate and that can become a legal issue. But really understanding what we're talking about, that that there couldn't be an interpretation of adverse impact or retaliation in some cases, um, and that we're truly dealing with the performance or behavior issue. Yeah. And making sure that the issue is really the issue. I mean, if, you know, sometimes we get to the snapping point and we've not addressed it. And so what we want to address is this thing right now. And really what the, the core is, we, we, we may even live with that issue from a lot of other employees who aren't annoying us all the time with a multitude of other sins. And so suddenly it, it can look to that employee and maybe to a judge and jury that we were singling out this, this one employee because uh, we, we, you know, had a conversation with them about something that we let everybody else get away with. And so, um, so I can, yeah, I can see, you know, making sure that the issue is the issue and that we're getting down to the, you know, really have, even if it means, I guess I should have addressed this three months ago. I didn't. And and I apologize for that, but let's, we got to talk about this now. Yes. I think that self-awareness is so important in these conversations, just to understand in the moment, how you're doing emotionally but also in that preparation, really, like you said, is taking a step back and making sure that you are addressing the real issue and that there's not any anything else that, that might 
come into play because we also have the employees that are really good at pushing our buttons. Uh, so knowing who those are as you go into these conversations and being ready for that. Um, you, in, uh, at the beginning, I mentioned that you said that we, we can change our mindset about how this, how these, these conversations go. How do, how do you do that part of it? How do you, you know, how do you make it get where you're more comfortable, I guess, uh, having these conversations? I think it's, you know, I talk a lot about, um, that I'm an awkward human being. I just am. And it's, it took me a long time to really appreciate that about myself but once I did, it's actually one of my favorite parts about me. And that helps me be more brave in some of these situations. I think when we embrace the awkward, when we, we're not constantly trying to run from it or push it away, when we're saying things like, right, this is going to be awkward. Let's go do it. I think that does start to shift that mindset. My company has a core value awkward is okay. It's what we do. Awkward really is okay. And that's how I start to shift. That's how I started to shift my mindset is by really embracing it and understanding that it isn't just a necessary evil, but it's really makes what we do better when we just dive in. Yeah, there are a lot of clearly wrong ways to have those conversations, but there's not just one right way, right? It's right. And, and so we just have to go in and say, this person's a hot mess. I'm a hot mess. I'm gonna, we're gonna do what we can, and I'm gonna try to be respectful and, uh, but direct. And and yes. I like what I like the way you you called it the sandwich because that's uh, we've been taught. I've, I've been to so many conferences where somebody stood up and. Uh, and said, here's how you deliver performance feedback, you know, two nice things and one, and then, you know, get to the end. I think it's just confusing for people and, uh, and it minimizes the important, I mean, if we're having a conversation about this, let's not minimize it. Let's, you know, if we're going to have all this anxiety, let's do it once and get it over with and not have to redress it again. Yes. How does one go other than is maybe, and maybe it's just do it as much as you can, but how does one practice doing this? I think it's back to self-awareness, uh, emotional intelligence, looking for those opportunities. Uh, I have a story from a, a colleague that they were, uh, my colleague was on a plane. They had just gotten settled in their chair and they watched their former boss come down the aisle and sit in the seat right in front of them. And it's, <laughs> it's very important to the story that we say that that relationship did not end well. So it wasn't a former boss that you're waving and excited to see. Uh, so at the at the end of the flight, every, you know what everybody does. Everybody stands up. We're waiting on the door to open. And really pivotal moment for my colleague where he could have just stayed in a seat, hid behind a magazine or a book. And instead he stood up and tapped the boss on the shoulder and said, hey, where are you headed? Uh, didn't fluff, didn't say good to see you because it wasn't good to see him. But really walked in to that awkward conversation. So I talk about awkward on purpose, really mm. looking for those moments that you can practice that in low stakes, low stakes environment. If somebody cuts in line, I just heard somebody say the other day, we're supposed to let people cut now. But I think that's a great place to practice that. Excuse me, we can do it professionally and respectfully. Excuse me, the, I'm not sure if you saw, but the line is back there. Mm. 
that's something that we could very passive aggressively (laughs) ignore and then whisper to our neighbor about how rude that person is. I think doing awkward on purpose is like building a muscle. The more we practice it, the easier it gets. Yeah, I think uh, between the movie office space and all the the attention that Karens are getting in, in the media lately, where you know it does seem there's a lot of incentives out there in, in, in popular culture for us just to swallow this and not and and you know not push back or or suggest that maybe this isn't the right thing to do, and uh, and so you know. I think that's a really bad thing if we're concerned about company performance. And I think it's, I think it's really important to note when I, when I tell people to practice the awkward, to be intentional about it, I'm suggesting that you do it respectfully. I'm not suggesting that you call people out or uh, really get aggressive with it, but there are low stakes situations where you can practice doing this professionally uh, and respectfully. Great. Uh, any other tips for for a leader who's who's trying to master the art of awkward? I, I'll say it again. I, I feel like I've said it a lot. I think self-awareness is really important here. We all have different ways that we move through this. And so making sure that that the the individual is aware of their blind spots, um, the the places, the areas where they get particularly uncomfortable or awkward and then being ready for that. I've really learned about myself and it's not rocket science, but I have learned so much in the latter part of my career that being prepared helps me so much. And we can't always be prepared, but when you can, when you can take a minute and get your thoughts together, that takes some of the nerves out of it for me. It takes some of the awkwardness and that, that discomfort out of it for me. Yeah. And and I think, I think we'd all be better off if we had a lot more, if a lot more of our leaders were more self-aware. Um, and, you know, it seems like when you have to have those conversations, some folks default is to, to play up, you know, play the, you know, to sit in that power role and, and kind of put on that facade. And, and I'm not sure that that's really helpful or constructive if you're trying to salvage a work relationship or something like that with, by being frank and honest, I think it undercuts credibility. I see that happening a lot. But I, I appreciate your time. That's really all the time we have today, Christy. But uh, welcome. Thank you for being on Good Morning HR. Thanks for having me. And thank you for listening. You can find previous episodes, show notes, and contact info for our guests at goodmorninghr.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. And don't forget to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Rob Upchurch is our technical producer and Imperatives Marketing Coordinator, Katie Bautista, keeps the trains running on time. And I'm Mike Coffey. As always, don't hesitate to reach out to me if I can be of service to you personally or professionally. I'll see you next week. And until then, be well, do good, and keep your chin up.